This podcast is brought to you by Recontract, the leading software to automate your reconditioning process. From vehicles to people to parts, Recontract streamlines every touchpoint in your recon process. Visit recontract.com to learn more. That's R-E-C-O-N-T-R-A-C.com. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, January 12, 2024. I'm Jake Neer in Detroit, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Tesla and Volvo halt production in Europe over recent attacks in the Red Sea. Stellantis acquires a French sodium ion battery startup, and the Detroit Auto Show moves back to January. Plus, automotive news journalists break down the biggest takeaways from CES this week. It's not about, you know, to the point that the car is the same as last year, and it physically, yes, um, but I think it's more about the technology that's going into the car that software-defined vehicles can continually be iterated upon and, and evolve even once it's out in the field. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Tesla and Volvo are suspending production due to attacks on vessels in the Red Sea. Militants have stepped up attacks in recent months to show their support for Palestinian Islamist group Hamas fighting Israel in Gaza. The attacks have forced the world's top shipping companies to avoid the Suez Canal, the fastest maritime route from Asia to Europe, for the past three weeks. Tesla will suspend most car production at its factory near Berlin from January 29th to February 11th. Tesla cites a lack of components due to shifts in transport routes because of the Red Sea attacks. Tesla builds the Model Y at the factory. Volvo is suspending production at its Belgian plant next week for three days. Volvo builds the XC40 and the C40 at the plant. EX30 EV production will be added next year. Stellantis is investing in a French sodium ion battery startup, Tiamat. The move is meant to diversify the automaker's portfolio and mass-produce electric vehicles while reducing exposure to scarce resources. The companies have not disclosed the exact amount of the investment. The money is coming from Stellantis Ventures, the automaker's first corporate investment fund. Tiamat's batteries are cheaper but also offer less mileage than lithium-ion batteries. Tiamat says the batteries are suited for smaller EVs, and the reduced range is offset in part by faster charging capacity. Lucid is reporting lower sales in the fourth quarter, along with full-year 2023 deliveries of just 6,001 vehicles. Those numbers sent Lucid's stock price down sharply in Thursday trading. The EV startup says it handed over 1,734 air sedans to new owners in the most recent quarter. That's down 10% compared with the fourth quarter of 2022. That's despite sales promotions, lease deals, and increased marketing for its luxury sedan that starts at about $79,000, including shipping. Meanwhile, Polestar's 2023 sales fell short of its target. High interest rates to tame inflation resulted in weak demand for Polestar's luxury vehicles as buyers flocked toward lower-priced alternatives. 
The company delivered 54,600 vehicles last year, compared with its target of about 60,000. Fourth quarter deliveries fell almost 8% from the previous three-month period to 12,800. And the Detroit Auto Show will return to its original January slot in 2025. The Detroit Auto Dealers Association produces the show. It said in a statement that the show will run January 10th through 20th after two years of summer shows in September. A spokesperson for the show says details on media and industry technology days would be announced at a later date. Those components have been a fixture of past auto shows and drew media from around the globe to see new vehicle introductions. Those unveilings have dwindled in recent years. The Auto Dealers Association says the show will be nixed this year in favor of the traditional winter date. The last winter show took place in 2019. And those are today's headlines. Coming up, we'll hear from automotive news journalists covering CES this week about what stood out to them. That's next on Daily Drive. Daily Drive is kicking off the new year by reviving an old name in a new format. We're bringing back a weekend drive edition of Daily Drive. Jamie and I will go deeper into the biggest automotive stories of the week. Every weekend, you'll hear fresh insights, analysis, and what has me running hot, if not overheated. To think that's going to get done in a year, a little over a year, is um, foolishly optimistic. That's, that's a little dark, but let's shift <laughs> to something a little more positive. You'll also hear from our experts in the newsroom here at Automotive News about the latest industry trends and topics. EV sales are not declining. That's the narrative we're kind of seeing outside of the industry. They aren't declining, but the pace of growth definitely has slowed. Come back this weekend for our Weekend Drive edition of Daily Drive. And of course, tune in every weekday for all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Across the Hendrick Automotive Group, each store had a different reconditioning process. They started looking for a solution that would help them standardize their processes, give them actionable information, and ultimately drive efficiency. Knowing they needed to bring together all pieces of their operation to cut cycle times down to their goal of three days, they chose Recontract. Chris Little, Vice President of Variable Operations, explains why having the tools to measure your recon process gives you what you need to manage it more effectively. Everyone knows speed uh, to the front line uh, equates to more turns, which helps the overall company do better in terms of parts service and inventory bias. And so uh, when you can really take the time to measure and manage that uh, and perfect that, uh, you're going to increase your turns, you're going to increase your gross profit, and you're really just going to increase the amount of used cars you can sell uh, because you're getting them out on the front line. But, Interested in learning more? Don't miss Recontract at NADA 2024. Stop by booth 3157W or visit info.recontract/nada for more information. That's info.recontrac.com/nada. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jake Near with Kellen Walker. Kel and Jamie have been in Las Vegas this week covering all the goings-on at CES. So have several of our colleagues at Automotive News. Yesterday, we hosted a live conversation on our LinkedIn page to talk about the best of CES 2024. Jamie spoke with our own Pete Bigelow, Carly Schaffner, Hannah Lutz, and Lindsay Chappell. 
Here's a piece of that conversation. Among the important stories, uh, Carly, you know, Honda made quite a splash with its EV concepts. How do you, how are the company's plans evolving? What does that tell us? Well, I think there's really two stories to this announcement. First, it was the fact that they're announcing that they're coming forward with their own line of electric vehicles. And this, of course, follows a breakup with General Motors that they were going to collaborate with on a affordable EV line in 2027. Um, Whether or not this replaces that, we do not know. But now they're saying that they are on their way and they're doing it themselves. And then, of course, it is the EV vehicles, the two concepts that they showed, the saloon, which is a sedan, um, different looking, um, and then the space hub, which now that I've looked at it, I think it looks more like a van, but it's definitely a utility vehicle. And then Honda said that the flagship flagship of the two, the saloon, will be the first production model or a production model based off of the saloon that will come to the U.S. first in 2026. I have to admit, uh, I thought the saloon, especially in the photos, a little silly. Uh, my initial reaction when I saw the embargo photos, I turned to the guy next to me. And I said, I, I thought the vacuum cleaner people decided not to get into the car business. <laughs> yeah, I described it in my story as an anteater. Um, I kind of got stuck on that paragraph on how to even use language to describe it. Um, and then the rear of the space hub, of course, was very squared off. And then when they showed it on the turntable, then I said, okay, it looks like a van, yeah. um, but definitely utility. I will say, have it yesterday, you know, I, I, I judged it harshly when I saw the photos. I went over to the North Hall to check it out yesterday, and it still looks pretty weird, um, but it looks a little less weird. It looks, uh, you know, seeing it in person, especially the, the side panels, it's, it's very sleek, uh, and I'm, I'm somewhat hopeful that by the time it becomes a production car, uh, that it will actually be pretty cool, and I appreciate that it's at least something different. I did say at the start of this that uh, there's maturity to near market products here. <laughs> there, there may be one caveat to that. <laughs> Maybe a few exceptions. Yeah, but they did say that the production version would be closely based on the saloon model. So we'll see what they come up with. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh Okay, well, I don't want to go too far down that hole because we have a lot else to cover. But um, in other Honda-related news, you know, the Honda, Honda-Sony joint venture, Afila, showed its concept car again. It uh, seemed pretty much like the same car as uh, from last year. But, Hannah, what was new this year that we didn't see last year? Yeah, so physically, you're right, it did look the same. But technology-wise, they they partnered with Microsoft to add a personal agent in the vehicle. We've seen a lot about virtual assistant. So, so similar there. Um, they also have an advanced driver assistance um, architecture that's pretty high tech with the vision transformer that's by um, Qualcomm. And then they're also leaning on Sony's gaming expertise. So they um, have the Epic Games Unreal Engine dashboard, augmented reality. It really shows like the surroundings of the vehicle as you drive. And it does kind of look like a, a video game. Um, and then of course, the passengers in the backseat can actually play games during the drive. Yeah, you you kind of feel like a Sony car has to be the greatest infotainment vehicle on wheels, right? I believe that's the point to, in a lot of ways for them <laughs> doing that. And it's it's not about, you know, to the point that the car is the same as last year. And it physically, yes, um, but I think it's more about the technology that's going into the car that with software-defined vehicles can continually be iterated upon and, and evolve even once it's out in the field. Even once it's a show car. Absolutely. 
All right. Uh, Lindsay, did you see the VinFast display? What did. Did, what did you think of that stuff? I did. There was a little bit of a wow there. Uh, the wow was sort of like, who the heck are these people and are they serious about <laughs> this stuff? And, and the bigger part of that was uh, their new pickup. Uh, the It's a concept. They kept, uh, we spoke with the executives there. They got, this is a concept, but we're going to build it. It's They're serious about getting into the midsize uh, pickup segment, electric pickup, I should say. And it seemed like a respectable job. They, they, the design of it was um, acceptable. It was very acceptable. Uh, was It was something that I could see consumers at least being intrigued by. The question is whether VinFest can pull together American consumers. They are, they are keenly interested in uh, getting established in this market. And uh, they, they've got their work cut out for them. Yeah, uh, acceptable. Uh, that's uh, sort of damning with faint praise a little. I I was surprised at how impressed I was. Uh, I've been so disappointed in VinFast. Uh, their stands, their vehicles, their narrative a lot of times uh, has really left me wanting. Um, but I, I was just shocked. I thought it, it looked really sharp. I thought and the interior of all things. Um, you know, really was seemed impressive. Now that's a show car, not a not the production ready version yet. Uh, but it's uh, if we'll see what the price point is like, and if the price point is low enough, maybe they will draw in some of those American consumers who who like pickups. Yeah, you know what's interesting is simultaneous with what they're doing here at CES and uh, uh, talking about their future product, they are talking to American auto dealers. And they are trying to pull together a network now of, of uh, retailers, uh, independent franchise uh, retailers. And it will be interesting to see. I've seen, we've seen this happen before with the uh, Indian manufacturer, Mahindra, who wanted to bring a pickup truck into this market. Mm. That once they introduced or once they unveiled the pickup truck for uh, these other business people, the retailers, they picked it apart. They they want to, yeah oh great we want that truck can you could you change the uh, the front bumper uh, the windshield's wrong too and uh, the 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 seats you got to have different seats and you know I, it seemed like it was more than a hundred changes of the vehicle it'll be interesting to see whether Vinfast now goes through the same gauntlet. Uh, that's that's interesting. It's a funny a- anecdote. Uh, of course, the other vehicle that Vinfast showed they. Is so small, they weren't planning to bring it to the U.S., but they say that they're, you know, the dealers they have told them they want it, and so they're going to try to see if they can can sell it. Was that the the VF3? It's a, a foot yep. smaller than a Chevy Spark. As Automotive News knows, being the uh, the expert on uh, American car dealers, uh, they want everything. Yeah, I'll take, <laughs> like going to a buffet line. Yeah, throw that on my plate too. I'll, I'll have that. Are people going to buy a little bitty car? Uh, they never well, have. They didn't buy no. smart cars. They didn't buy the Sparks. They. Uh, it has been a tough sell with Americans. They didn't buy the Fiat Five Hundred. Fiat's, um, you know, there's, there's a list of stuff that didn't get bought. Um, <laughs> but um, you know. I will say this. I will say that that VinFast is doing its best to not just take existing products from a, from an Asian market 
and dump them into the United States. They are trying to tailor make their products to appeal to American consumers, which is different from what we have seen over over previous decades. And they were smart, I think, to show it at CES, especially mm-hmm. the pickup, because they didn't have to compete with electric pickups from GM or Ford or Rivian here. They're the only one that I saw on the floor. That's a great, great point. Carly, uh, Kia showed some battery-powered commercial vehicle concepts. Uh, who's the likely user or buyer for those? Yeah, and, and we knew this was coming. They're, they plan to introduce, you know, I think 15 EVs by 2027 globally. And this is one of them. And they initially said it would be PBV, meaning purpose-built vehicle. But now they're calling it platform beyond vehicles. One element is that they're creating a business unit to kind of explore the commercial side of it. And the other elements are the vehicles themselves. And they showed three um, at CES, the PB or the PV5 um, alphabet soup here, um, which will be kind of the, the center of it all. Um, there's a couple variants they show that is essentially a commercial van. Um, and then there was the PV7, which is the largest, and then the PV1, which would be the smallest. Um, so a lot of automakers have commercial vans, and this gives them an electric entry and kind of um, opens the door for them to explore the commercial market in, in different areas of um, the world. Um, and one of the things that they also are pushing on is the modularity of, of it all. Um, and... Um, the idea is that they can share components widely across all of the vehicles, which would make them lower cost to fleet operators and other companies. And additionally, they would be tethered together using data, so truly a connected fleet. Um, and not only would the, the data coming in um, show how the car was being or the vehicle is being used, um, but it would give fleet operators more control over the vehicles. Um, which I think essentially the purpose is to to streamline operations in full. And then one interesting thing to me, um, the the PV1, which they said will have a really tight turning radius, smart car size, I I think um, in tight urban quarters where there's congestion but last mile delivery is still necessary, it's possible cities would give priority. I mean, certainly in California, you know, I'm adjacent to the, the Long Beach and L.A. port complex where they're pushing really hard to, to clean up um, dirty vehicles. Um, I would think some cities would be prioritizing electric vehicles for the last mile. And, and of course, we know that USPS has been trying for a very long time to turn its fleet electric um, and that we haven't seen come to fruition. So there is a lot of opportunity for Kia here. Yeah, it seems like uh, the urban setting is the is the place for it. I know you said uh, you know maybe urban settings all around the world. Uh, I don't know, you know if it's really great for uh, you. Wouldn't want to drive them a long ways, but I think a lot of stop and go driving again in the places where the air can get pretty thick uh, could be could be beneficial to have an electric vehicle tootling around dropping yeah. off uh, things at the stores and restaurants. The PB seven uh, too. They said but that might be the one for more of a long haul application. But batteries, as we all know, you know, they, they work better in a loop, um, you know, where the vehicles can make their designated stops and then go back to charge. 
Um, so I'm not sure how far kind of intended they get with, you know, long haul EVs, but um, having the larger vehicle gives them more options. Our own Jamie Butters spoke with automotive news journalists Lindsay Chapel, Hannah Lutz, Carly Schaffner, and Pete Bigelow. You can find the full conversation at the Automotive News LinkedIn page. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jake Neer, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to our own Lawrence Eiliff for his reporting for today's podcast. We also had reporting from Kurt Nagel of our sibling publication, Crane's Detroit Business. You can get the latest news on tech and innovation, supply chain delays overseas, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back over the weekend for our Weekend Drive edition of the show. Our own Pete Bigelow joins us once again from CES to talk about his big takeaways from the show this year. I think what we see on the software-defined vehicle front is moving from buzzword into reality. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.